Hey, this is Robert Gowan. You're listening to the Mentors for Military podcast, and this show we're calling In the Strategy Room. This is our second episode of this show, and um, pretty stoked about this one. The topic is going to be on Don't Leave Your Success to Others. And um, as I was explaining to the guys ahead of this show, I had a a leader way back in the past that used to tell me that uh, no one looks out for you than you. And that's kind of uh, the approach and uh, that we're going to kind of hit on tonight. Um, in the strategy room, we have Scott Kinder and we have uh, Mike Pritz, uh, who's joined us. And of course, Mike wrote the article that many of you have seen that we put out there on the Twitter page called The Army's Transition Program is Not for You. Um, and I got to tell you, Mike, when I uh, read this thing, you like spoke to my heartstrings because this is something that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, it's part of the reason why I wrote the book. It's it's a reason why um, I started the whole podcast and everything else, because I think um, throughout uh, my military service, when it came time for that, you know, exit, I, it was very anticlimactic. It, it was one of these things where I didn't feel like I got the type of, um, you know, the assistance and help that I needed to make that next transition. And fortunately, I had a really strong network with private sector people, um, as well as people that were, had government contracts that had been taking me around and showing me different things about um, you know, how to network and work with people to help my transition smoother. But your, um, your article was uh, spot on. Well, thanks. I, you know, I wrote that article out of frustration and, and, it's just something I had to get off my chest. I, I didn't go into the transition process, at least the transition assistance program, expecting a whole lot. But after putting so much time in the military, I mean, so through so many different military schools and training programs, um, well, I expected a little bit more than what I did get. So what you read in the article is a little bit of frustration, hopefully a little bit of humor because I poked yeah you did yeah poked a, a couple of, a couple issues there and but really uh, the the underlying nature of it is what you just said it's you know don't leave it up to somebody else to plan your exit strategy from the military you need to start early you need to do detailed planning and uh, you just need to prepare and and you can't wait until that that one week time that the army sets aside for you to go to these classes to do that preparation. It has to be done well in advance. Yeah. You know, I, I've preached that over and over again. I think that that's one of the, um, I, I, one of the problems is that we don't really start gearing soldiers for exit out of the military almost from the time that they come in. And that's part of that, um, real coaching that, um, soldiers are supposed to do senior leaders are supposed to do uh, when they when they sit down on a quarterly basis when they meet with their subordinates they're supposed to give different different types of counseling uh, and and I think if you're also talking to somebody about hey listen what are your what are your plans three to five years out what are your plans seven to ten years out what are you thinking um, and help them guide that path then that's part of that planning process as well where they're not waiting till all of a sudden the time comes and they're 12 minutes out and they got to go to a mandatory class to your yeah. point, or you're less right. if, if you're you know, medically. The, the, the program came about um, in 2012 because the unemployment rate was so high for soldiers exiting in the, the post 9-11 world. Uh, it was like double what the uh, alike employment rate would be for 20 to 25 year olds uh, in the civilian population. So Congress got engaged and they, and they put this program out there. And I think it was needed and it probably still is, but it's geared toward that first-term soldier, the, the, the kid that comes in, he wants to serve his country, he does four years, he gets the GI Bill, and he gets out, and, and he, his plan is really to go home and live on mom and dad's couch for a while until he figures things out. And, and those guys need that. They need that guidance you know, before they, they sign out of the Army. And I, I think it's great that we have a program like that. Um, but for an exiting professional, I mean, guys that spend 20, 25, 30 years uh, with existing networks, with with a, a skill set that's probably, um, you know, unmatched in a lot of different circles. Uh, what we need is a little bit more coaching and how to how to apply that. Uh, what what do we want to do with it, and then and how to get into the into the industry that you want to get into. And that's that's what I found lacking in the program. Yeah, I, I found the same thing many years ago. As a matter of fact, um, I, I found that a lot of the people that were coaching me were probably not qualified to be able to do that type of coaching. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, you really need to have seasoned professionals that have been out in the private sector, 
um, understood what the challenges are from a human resources perspective uh, in the private sector of transitioning military into jobs and employment, as well as possibly even had experience working with hiring managers or having been a hiring manager yourself so that you know how to properly counsel on the right ways in which to do things, even to the junior enlisted individuals, only because they're probably the most vulnerable. Many of them never had a job before they came into the military. They came right out of high school. Yeah, me too. You know, right out of high school, yeah, I'd signed up when I was 17 in the delayed entry program, you know, and then... uh, yeah, and so all of a sudden you're at that point and you're listening to, you're wanting advice. Okay, what am I supposed to do? I'm sure everything that's explained is just like mind blowing. Wow, okay, resume. Yeah, oh wow, I never thought about putting that on the resume. That sounds great. And not realizing that maybe the person that's going to look at it who has three to 10 seconds may not see the same things in that resume that you thought were mind blowing. Well, I could tell you stories about what my first resume looks like, but I'm sure you you know what that looked like. Uh, it reads a lot like an NCOER. Yes. Um, I sent it out. I sent it out to uh, some friends of mine who were already out and working in different industries, primarily in DoD. I sent it to some talent acquisition folks just to get feedback, people that I knew that were friends. And then I looked at an industry that I was interested in, and I started making contacts in that industry as well. And I sent it out to those folks. And uh, but the the feedback I got from the three different communities was exactly the same. It's like, hey, this is, a, this is great. Uh, it probably sounds good to the people that, that you've worked with in the past, but I don't understand any of it. Um, you know, and that, that, that was good feedback. I needed to hear that. And I needed right. to have somebody sit down and tell me, you know, you've got to sell yourself. And that's something none of us are comfortable doing. Um, but you've got to be able to take concrete achievements and, and talk about them in, in a way that, that that somebody in the civilian industry that you're looking at will understand, and um, you know well, none of us understand that. Nobody teaches us that. Right. Yeah, not only do you have to t- sell yourself, and, and you do because nobody's going to. You know, we've talked about it on every strategy room show thus far, but nobody's just going to give you a hundred thousand dollar year salary because you wore a uniform for one or twenty or thirty years. But so you have to sell yourself, but nobody knows how to sell themselves, and that's where that cookie cutter approach to individual problems just doesn't work because you, an infantryman is not a mortarman, you know, is not a supply guy, is not a truck driver, is not a, et cetera, is not a soft guy. So those cookie cutter approaches don't work uniformly across the board. And Scott, I think that's why most guys like us, most of us end up in the contracting world. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an easy transition to, to go from, you know, carrying a gun and, and, and shooting or protecting a, a facility in uniform. And there are people who will pay a lot of money to do that. Um, if you're willing to go to the places that, that do it. And there are a lot of organizations that, that need that. So it's an easy transition that a lot of guys will make, and they'll never try to do something kind of outside of their, their comfort zone. Uh, that they've and become Joe Healy, great point, Mike. And Joe Healy brought that up in, in his interview on the Next Ridgeline because he said that he's uncomfortably comfortable in a, in a combat and in austere environments because that's yeah. kind of where we live and, and where we work and thrive. So it was really against his inner grain to – take that office type job in an environment that he's kind of, you know, I don't want to use the word unprepared, but that he's having to learn on the fly and learn off the ropes. So, so it was, you nailed it. And far too often, you know, if I was in this community, I just stick with that community in civilian clothes versus a uniform. So when we challenge ourselves and we figure out what exactly we want to do, identify that target and then move towards it with a purpose, that's when you can actually achieve bigger goals in a, in a whole different field. Well, yeah, you, know, you hit on something right there, Scott. It's, 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 you have to identify that objective. And it's what we have done our entire career. It doesn't matter if you've been in you know, two to five years, 10 years, 20 years, or 30 years. Um, what we in SOF are very good at is detailed planning. So whether you call it DDMP, MDMP, you know, whatever planning process you like to use, the business world has a different one. If you apply that, you, you, you pick your objectives and you just start at step one and work through the decision-making process, and you'll identify all of the routes that you need to, to basically take to achieve whatever goal you're setting. And that's, that's not, what not only, doesn't get, man. Yeah, exactly. 
and not only the routes, but you're going to identify potential problems. You're going to identify pace plans, you know, primary, alternate, contingency, and emergency plans around those problems. You, you, you know, to the war gaming of the scenarios, you're going to identify differing courses of actions that may have strengths and, and weaknesses. And, and most importantly, coupled with that problem solving and planning is that ability to be adaptable that, that makes us thrive in, in these differing environments. And when we take that understanding and apply it to the business world, that's when we go, okay, I don't have to go back to Afghanistan and carry a gun and wear a chest harness, I can go into any corporate environment in America and take this same ethos and it'll help them. So I have knowledge that is valuable to a potential employer. I think that uh, that's the reason why many of, you know, soft guys end up making good business owners is because they understand what you just described is how a business thinks as well. The strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, the threats, the objectives, the vision, you know, the mission, the whole thing. And in many cases in the private sector, they're looking for how do you how can you describe things in a qualitative and quantitative m- manner, you know, to get the point across. And that's not always how um, everybody communicates. You don't always think about, you know, describing things in a way that's very smooth and you know in general or very uh, focused that that includes um, quantitative analysis that's part of it and. It's just you're not always wired that way. Um, And it's probably part of the reason why a lot of military-friendly organizations end up taking military people. And and, um, I've gone to, you know, many of the websites of these these companies, and they they tend to put them in a box, and they tend to put them in a segment of jobs that they feel probably are better classified for military personnel. And so if you would have submitted your resume, Mike, I'm sure it would have got lumped right on in with that. Um, into those types of jobs that they feel, you know, meet that category of where a military could easily transition to. Not that you could come out and from your level of where you had worked and um, what you had accomplished and everything else, where you probably could have been a manager, definitely a manager. You, you probably could have been a director. And for, for that matter, you probably could have even sold yourself to be senior director, vice president, or something along that line. Um, just based on what you had accomplished, if it was written correctly, if you understood how you're going to apply those skills to add value to the organization. Um, And again, I think it's a lot of the reasons why um, a lot of folks end up starting their own business or they go to the the DOD route because it's available. It's comfortable. You know, it's it's easy. It's comfortable and eases transition. It gives you it gives you a bridge to transition, if nothing else. That's the way I've heard it described in the past. Um, and that's what I use it for. I'm sure that's what Rudy's using it for. Uh, but it, it gives you something from when you get out to, one, keep your sanity and keep working towards something. Two, keep your clearance because that's important to, to maintain. You may need that. Uh, but also just to, to let you have a little bit more time to uh, to figure out what, what direction you want to go in. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I don't think there's any bad step that an individual can make. And I think you would agree as you're separating from the military. It's more about... Um, trying to understand who you are, how to make that transition. When we talk about transition, it's not just, you know, one day you're wearing a a uniform, the next day you're wearing a suit. Uh, It doesn't come that easily. Sure, the uniform or the clothes that you wear may change that quickly, but like you're describing, there is a transitional period. And for some people, that's a longer runway than it is for other people. So it's important to find that fit, um, and it may be a stepping stone opportunity. It may not be you're going to jump right into your dream job right out of the gate. More than likely, you're not. You know, none of us. Well, do. I don't think you should. I think you should put a lot of thought into it. Yeah. And, and you know, again, retiring afforded me that opportunity to really take time and think about what I wanted to do next. Uh, somebody who gets out at four years, who's twenty, twenty-two years old, uh, they they may not have that. They may need they may need to take a job, which is what transition assistance is about. It's about getting a job. It's about not being unemployed. And, um, and that wasn't my concern. My concern wasn't money. Um, it was motivation. It was, it was meaning. And I, I think that to me, uh, at this point in my life, and heck, I'm almost 50, but meaning is more important than money. So if, if you have the opportunity to take that time and figure out what route you want to go, man, you should, you should, you should take the time and, and, and do deliberate planning. And figure out where you want to be, and and then your path to get there. And and I think uh, that's that's I'm still in the middle of it. So yeah. hopefully it keeps working. 
Yeah, you know, and I think yeah, it's even worse. Like we were talking to uh, Mondo, and you you probably heard Mondo describing his transition um, out on the last show with uh, D'Espresso Lieber. And, um, you know, he, he, like Rudy and others, had a situation, I think maybe even Joe was in this as well, where you run into a medical uh, situation that forces your timeline to be much shorter uh, than what you had expected, or you still have those uh, phases of you know, shock and everything else that hit you that all of a sudden you're now going to have to make a lifestyle change. Um, and, and all of those realities all at one time. And you're, you're, like I said, your runway may only be three months long. It doesn't give you a lot of time. Uh, it's overwhelming. It's absolutely overwhelming when, when some of the accelerated timelines, you know, when Murphy jumps in and, and kicks you, you know, right in the crotch, it's, it's hurtful and it's, and it makes you feel like you're not prepared for that civilian world. You know, if I can't even handle my transition, then how am I going to help Microsoft, you know, grow or how am I going to help, you know, in, in my career field? So there's this fear that's just resonant within us. And I think it, with soft guys, Joe's mentioned it, uh, Alex at Day Espresso Libera mentioned it, you know, there's also this kind of quiet professional ethos that we, we take to heart. And so it's, you know, this fear and inability to self-promote because you're afraid of going against that grain of the quiet professional ethos. It's been imbued in you since SFAS, you know. Now, you know, one thing I've done here, and um, I, I know several guys in that in that boat, guys particularly – who go through the medical board process and and they get maybe close to a retirement, um, but that process chops them off at 16, 17, 18 years. So there's a lot of time invested in a career. Uh, there's a lot of energy. There's there's a lot of emotion that goes into it. And hey, at the end of the day, you know the government sends you home with no pension, and um, it's got to be frustrating. Uh, what one of the things we do, we, and I have this lunch once a once a month, every other month uh, if if people are busy. And we bring recently retired guys in. Um, some of those guys have been out for a few years, but we bring guys that are in the process of transition at the time, and we just try to share those stories. And we try to, we try to, you know, one generate realistic expectation from that crowd, uh, whether you're retiring or you're you're just ETSing. Um, and by generating realistic expectations, hopefully they start down the planning process of of getting on to the next step. Yeah, I can't invite enough people on these types of shows to describe just that, that that we, and and again, it goes back to why created Mentors for Military and and creating that mentorship that really needs to be there and giving back because it's what really gave me the passion of wanting to do the same thing. And I love what you're talking about because it's, it's going back and saying, hey, listen, I was you one year ago, five years ago, three months ago, whatever the case may be. And maybe you're not going to go into the same profession. Um, maybe you don't have the same you know, aspirations and goals and everything, but we have a lot of commonality. We were both soldiers, sailors, airmen, marine. We were both ambitious. We both had big dreams or whatever the case may be. And all of a sudden, you know, you're transitioning. I've been there. Let me tell you what I did. Let me tell you the lessons learned along the way. And oh, by the way, I can maybe save you a whole lot of time and heartache by it. Um, I think it's great. That's exactly... You know, nobody... Nope. You think about it. You take yourself back and, and think when you got out. Did you did you know anything about the VA claims process? Did you know anything about you know what what your first resume was supposed to look like? Um, what kind of experience you would have in an interview? I I don't think anybody as they're as they're putting on a uniform and going to work every day, trying to do the best job, you know, on their team, you know, in their company or battalion, whatever whatever your role is, nobody thinks about that. They they try to do a good job. For the organization they're in. I mean, that's what we're all. Yeah. That's why we've been successful is because we put everything into the organization and very little into ourselves and our families. Really, if you think about how much time we spend at work and away from home, so uh, that's exactly what we try to do. We try to get one. It's it's therapeutic for me because I get to hang around the guys, and that's that's probably the number one thing is is the community right. that you've lost from being at work every day. You know, you get together with them once in a while. But, but something else is, you know, we, we bring these guys in that are going through it right now or that maybe have six months or a year out, and we just start talking about those different ideas, things they need to start preparing for because it is important. And if, uh, if you don't make it important, kind of like the title of, title of the podcast, if you don't do it for yourself, nobody's going to do it for you. So it's, it's got to be a priority. Well, I, I'm assuming that the guys that are probably sitting there in the very beginning are thinking, oh, gosh, okay, you know, whatever. But in a few minutes – 
of listening to, you know, graybeards, guys who've been there, or whatever the case, they're going to start picking up. And even if they walk away, and my thing is, if you walk away with one nugget, out of the whole conversation and the whole thing, you think, you know what? Maybe somebody is sitting there and goes, I, I need to go get my college education, or I need to go finish the, that degree that I've been putting off. I got three classes, you know, I can go ahead and finish this thing and get it ready. Or, you know, I've been thinking about getting certification and he hit on something about what he's doing right now um, that, that triggered that. Or maybe it's, God, I just need to sit down and look at what a resume is. I don't even know what the heck that is. Uh, I need to think about it. And, you know, we had Mark McCowan on the show uh, a couple weeks back, and it was the same type of thing. You know, he's getting ready to to retire, and um, he, he really hasn't sat down and started thinking about when would he want to do that, what that's going to be in terms of pay, you know, and when is the right time. Uh, what does he do? need to do to prepare? Um, he's thought about what he wants to do, and he kind of knows his purpose and passion, which is great. That's a head start. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's – if I had an opportunity to have those types of guys sitting in front of me, although it may make you feel good, I think it would also – I'd probably walk away feeling pretty good too. Uh, and I'd probably look for the next event because I'd want to be like a sponge the next time and listen to some of the, what those guys have to say. Yeah, the great thing about that venue for us is, you know – We'll have anywhere from eight to 25 guys show up. And, and there are really every level of business owner uh, in that group of people, people that are just starting out, that have just bought their first business, um, or people that have owned businesses for the last you know several years. Uh, there, there's one individual that's a vice president of a company that specializes in defense contracting. And the amount of information that's available simply for the asking is uh is right there at your fingertips and that's what we do yeah. that's what soft guys do is you know we build relationships and we and we share information that's what makes you know our brand so powerful around the world um and and as I, on a very small scale that's what we're trying to do here in colorado springs oh, i think it's brilliant and, and again i think that, that kind of stuff um maybe it's one of the things that are missing within the the whole program of you know the separation is that there's probably not enough of that. And, it, and it's hard to find individuals that can take time out of their days to coordinate all that. I'm sure you even run into those complications. Or it just may be that you've got a set date that's a, you know, hey, every month. I don't know. Is it like every month we're going to do it? Last at this? Friday of every month. We there you go. Okay. So that's easy for me to put in my calendar and go, hey, listen, I need to carve out this time so that I can go and participate in that. Well, you're welcome to come. 26th of February will be the next one. We're gonna- 26th of February? Yeah. <laughs> hey. We're going to meet in Pueblo, and then we're actually going to go to one of our buddy's uh, gun shops that he has he's oh. put himself through school. Uh, he's become a licensed gunsmith. In the past couple of years, he's bought his own gun shop, and this year it was the, rated the best sporting goods gun shop in Pueblo. So, you know, there's there's a success story every time you attach a Green Beret to it, it seems. Oh, I always look for a good reason to go out to Colorado. I've got friends out there, so that's a <laughs> – yeah, I may take you up on that. But yeah, I think, you know, some of the stuff that you hit on that was in the um, the article that you wrote, you know, and, and I love the way you wrote it because you went down through every element of the class. I mean, I don't know if you had your uh, class agenda out in front of you and stuff when you're writing this, but it was almost as if it kind of followed through that, you know, the financial planning, you know, all those types of things. Um, I, I think it's, it's important that um, people do do the research that are out there. Um, and again, getting back to the topic of the show, they realize that what they're going to get from the transition program is X. Y- you may gain a lot out of it, but then you also got to think about what it is that you're going to do beyond that. Like you had mentioned, you you investigated the industry that you're looking into. You reached out to your network that you have out there in order to tap into them to see um, what they thought of your skill sets and what you could bring to the table. Uh, more than likely, they said, you know, hey, here's a lot of stuff in your resume I'd probably change. I'm sure if you probably gave a couple bullet advices as opposed to just, you know, hey, let me redline this thing here. Why don't you start all over? Uh, it looked like a mess. It yeah, did. I bet it. Yeah, <laughs> probably blood all over it. So um, I, I think those types of things are helpful, too. And we all have that if we have a network. I mean, and most people do. We just don't think about them in that way. Um, and that was, Robert, that's one of the lines in the article that really stood out to me was, you know, when you said, Mike, your personal professional network is much better suited to advise you from their experience in transition, that that just jumped right out at me because it's absolutely, you know, it's 100% on the mark that when, when you kind of swallow your self-pride and you go to your professional personal friends and say, this is what I'm thinking about doing, now shoot holes in my plan, you know, yeah. help me come up with my plan, and you, you're just a little more self-aware 
aware of who you are and what you want to do and and again just swallow that pride and we've talked networking several times in the show already so that's just if you have more that you'd like to discuss on on how that really helps you that'd be great i think yeah i'd say i i reached out to a couple of trusted individuals that i'd reached out to several times over my career and um and I got very candid advice, like I have at each of those times in my career. And um, you can probably you can probably guess that they were former sergeants, majors, and CSMs, and but they've gone on to do great things on their own. And and they one thing they did is they gave me a dose of humility, and uh, and, and to realize that you know when you when you exit the military, you, one you no longer carry that rank, you no longer carry your position, you carry accomplishment. And so you've got to be able to translate accomplishment into what you can do for whatever industry you're going into. Uh, that was that was a good lesson. Um, and then in addition to those guys, I already had an idea of the industry I was looking at. So I reached out to other people that I had um, social uh, relationships with that were in that industry. And and I've I've developed new mentors, you know. And and I've spent time with those people. I start reading industry literature. Uh, I get real feedback on some of my ideas and what I want to do with education. Um, and, and I, I keep trying to, you know, build those relationships as well, uh, because the direction I'm going, that, I think that's where it's going to take me or those, those individuals are going to be the ones that advise me the best. No, oh, I love it. That's a, that's a great plan. Scott. And, and sometimes that, that those pieces of advice that you get from those just brutally honest friends of ours, right? That's that's a piece that it hurts the most to receive because you think that your plan is great and whatever. And as soon as they shoot this, this, you know, massive 50 cal size hole in it, you go, well, that's, that really sucks. That took me three months to develop that plan, and, and you just blew it out of the water. Um, but, but again, it's having that, that faith in the system and faith in your friends and faith in their professionalism that allow you to truly hit that target and, and reach the goals that you want to hit, right? Yeah, the plan would have been great if I wanted to go back to Afghanistan. And at 100%, I could land that job, um, and I, I probably would have been there indefinitely and get addicted to the money and everything else that – that guys do because it's so lucrative work over there. Um, I, I think it's more challenging, and for me, it's uh, it's growth, it's developmental that I want to go in a different direction. Um, there's always a safety net there for guys like us that that those types of conflict jobs will be there. Um, and I, I just, but I, I want to challenge myself. I, you know, that's why I went SF in the first place is because what I was doing in the regular army wasn't. Uh, challenging enough. I wanted to. I wanted to really test myself. So that's what I'm doing now. I want to. I want to test myself again against a different, um, a, a different kind of industry, and to see if see if I can be just as successful there. Well, you're definitely going to be challenged. So just so everybody doesn't know what Mike's going to be doing, Mike's going into the education profession. So of course, this is a big change in terms of. You know, not only how much it is that you're going to be making, and I know you talked about you're not money driven, but of course there's. There's a big difference in, um, you know, in income and how that works. And then there's, of course, the challenges of just students, how students approach education in the first place. Hey, we were all there as kids. You know, we all, you know, we either loved their teachers or we hated school every day. Um, and you usually don't find too many people in the middle. And uh, so are you looking at like what level of education? Are you looking at high school or I middle school? At high school, yeah. High school. Wow, even more challenging. Yeah. So, but but I I, I think that the skills that we bring as a Green Beret, okay, <laughs> what what do we do when we go into a country? We develop common ground and we build rapport. Those are the same types of skills when you take into the classroom. And I've I've been substituting as well. So I've applied some of this, a little bit of practice, um, semi-professional. I can't be can't call it professional. <laughs> but you you apply the right. same the same uh, skill set that makes you you know gives you credibility when you go down range. And um and you build credibility in a classroom and that's the first step. Once you yeah. once you've developed common ground and, and credibility, um, then you start developing relationships. And I'll talk a lot about relationships uh, when I talk about really anything because anything I think you know you guys could talk about it from the business perspective. But but anytime you're dealing with people, you're dealing with relationships. Absolutely. And students are people. And and I think I'm going to take the same mindset that I would take on a JSET or a UW uh, somewhere and I, and I'll apply it into uh, a classroom environment and I will I will reach back to the the skills that I've used for the last several years and um, hopefully uh, it'll make me successful in the classroom as well. No, oh, I, well, I people think people always people always ask me you know what's the number one thing that would shock us that we don't know about special forces guys and the first answer is always there were teachers. 
You know, we're teachers yeah. at heart. That, yeah. You know, um, you know, everybody has this Hollywood mentality that we're all door kickers and, and this and that. But, you know, if I can teach somebody else to kick that door so that I don't have to, like mission one already. And I think with all your time spent in third world countries, you know, mine is Europe, Mike, because you were a 10th grouper. But, uh, you know, third world <laughs> countries, then uh, you'll be right at home in a high school. You'll be well, right Scott, at home. I can, remember, I can remember when Europe still fell under the Iron Curtain and I was there and doing J sets in the Baltics after the fall of communism. So I think that, uh, I, I think that Europe still, and maybe again, if you look at the current situation, yes. uh, it, it's a, it's a very real environment to test a UW skill set. Um, so I, I think that's where I cut my teeth on. It was in Lithuania and Latvia, uh, right after the fall of the iron curtain. So I, I think, um, I, I think those skills, even though it's Europe and I'm a 10th group guy, uh, I had to get the tenth group digging there as a fifth grouper, so you know the uh, you know the rivalry. Well, we do things very differently. I know, I know we do. Yeah. We do but it you right, you do it wrong. So it's mentality fun. is a post nine eleven mentality, and I grew up in special forces. You know, before we had unlimited budgets, and and before everybody was an assaulter, and and exactly what you said, Scott, is is the way I came into to special forces was everybody is a teacher. Um, you know, we weren't going to war in the mid nineties. We were going to you know, teach these armies uh, how NATO conducts operations as opposed to how the Warsaw Pact had conducted operations and to make them better, to make them professional. You know, I've seen over the last 25 or so years, I've seen uh, the non-commissioned officer corps in those Eastern European armies grow to, to be a professional soldiers, where before they were not. You know, they didn't have professional education systems. They, they relied on officer support trained, you know, by their own allied countries. And it, it's it's a very different world today to see, you know, their enlisted and senior enlisted leaders uh, holding holding ground right there with the officers. It wasn't like that in the '80s and '90s. And that's that's the amazing part of, of just the, this professional and personal network, right? I mean, I, I try and take one thing that I can learn out of any conversation I have with anybody. And, and even better, I try and apply that same mentality and desire to my kids. So, you know, they're 12 and 8, my, my son. So when when we're in Australia and I'm going, you should constantly be learning from people and constantly learning, you know, from history. You know, just that inability, that ability that we have to conduct these internal after-action reviews and AARs all the time and learn from the mistakes that our predecessors, not, not all the successes and mistakes both, I shouldn't classify them all as mistakes, but learn from history and and then, so we don't repeat it. That's what we're great at, right? The enemy constantly adapts. We adapt with it and faster than it if we can. And that's what strengthens us in the soft community. And I think you can apply that to just about any industry. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and just listening to what you were describing, you know, especially uh, in the Cold War era, uh, which I was a part of as well. It dates, uh, it dates us, doesn't it? Yes, it does. <laughs> and so. Uh, you know, it it definitely reminds me of again the 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 level of instruction that was given to you, how we uh, were provided the information, like I shared with you before, that no one takes care of you but you. Uh, but there was always somebody along the way. If you really sought them out, if you really look for it, there were people that were willing to stick out their hand and help you. And, you know, much like the people that you're talking about that you reached out to and sh uh, shared your resume with, I had the same type of thing. I had that network that was developed. But once I figured out I had a network, it was really easy for me to go ahead and reach out to them. And then, you know, they understood me much like they understood you, Mike, and what you bring to the table. And you also knew you, you had a self-awareness. I mean, you definitely have a self-awareness now. Um, and, and you probably even had it for many, many years leading up to this. It wasn't like all of a sudden, you know, you figured out who Mike is, but you already knew who that was. And once you put that whole package together, you can present that whether it's in a resume, in an interview or on the job, like you said, to individuals, you're selling yourself. And like I said, you, you start building that credibility and credibility starts as soon as the interview process uh, begins, um, then, then you're going to be successful anyway. It may not be that job, but it could be that that's not a cultural fit for you anyway. So, I mean, keep looking. Keep trying to find that right fit. Um, and for you, even in your profession, it might be the right school, the right uh, education academia in terms of, you know, the principal, the assistant principals, the staff that you work with, everything. You know, the the environment that it, it's uh, – the school system itself that it, it's in, um, you know – there's so many different factors, and, and if you take all of what we've learned within the military and you apply that um, process that you've used so often to now how you're trying to, to move forward through the transition, 
I think you'll be a lot more successful than what you think you are uh, if you don't rely on certain things like transition assistance program to be the end all be all. And oh, I'm just disappointed. I didn't get what I was hoping to get out of that. That's not what you were saying, by the way. Uh, you were trying to highlight your experience because it needs to be highlighted. But I, I think that you know you're well enough to know uh, you're you know yourself well enough that um, you knew you had to get beyond that. That that was just one piece of it. And uh, but a lot of soldiers, like we were talking about, especially junior soldiers, may walk in there, and this may be the first time and the only time that they're ever going to meet somebody who's a counselor that's supposed to counsel them on the next step. And they need that, uh, and we we need that service. We need we need them to to put as much effort in that so they can so they can get out and be successful and contributing members of society. Uh, I just think that I think that a, a exiting professional probably needs a little bit different of an approach. And, and you know, uh, out on the, on the East Coast, I know I've got friends of mine retiring in D.C. Um, they've got an executive transition program out there where they have real, real business leaders uh, coming in to, to coach these guys on, on what their expectations should be and, and how to market themselves toward business. And uh, the, the program that I went through, they, they called it a senior level transition program. But it was the same program that everybody went through. I mean, the, the difference was is that, you know, there were they weren't any first-term soldiers in the in the class with us. It was it was all older guys, and most of us were retiring. Um, I think the junior guy in the class was an E7. The senior guy was a was an 06 colonel. So there was a, a pretty broad spectrum of you know of career in that room. Um, but we got the same thing that the kids upstairs got, and it, in my opinion, it was just underwhelming. I, I think that for that population. It needs to be a little bit more tailored, or you need to have a lot more uh, leeway on what you require them to attend. Uh, like I said, I, I, my biggest problem with it was that I was required to spend a week there. When I was already, I mean, in, in that time frame, before I'd signed out of the Army, I was already employed and I was already working. I was already applying to master's programs, and I, I had a lot of things going on um, that I really didn't need to take five days off to sit in in, in that program. So again, the article is written out of frustration, partially because of that, um, but but really more so because the cookie cutter approach doesn't doesn't apply to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think it, um, you know, you mentioned about like an executive program. Um, I think that that's that's really awesome because there, I, the only fear I would have is that you may have a sharp E four, you know, that may have even came in. Um, Later in life, after college education, um, went into the military for patriotism and uh, decided that it's time to separate and probably could be, again, going out into an ex in kind of an executive role or into a, a greater role. Um, certainly, you wouldn't want to cap it off. In other words, well, you can only attend this if you're E7 and above uh, or, you know, captain above uh, or something of that nature. I think we'd be doing, again, a disservice. But I like the fact that, that you're thinking of, all right, it, people are going to be searching for different things as they're separating from the military. Let's try to first find out what it is that they're wanting to, to do. And let's try to help them with a program that's designed around that. Uh, because some people may just want to go out and, um, you know, I, I had guys that wanted to start their own uh, business and uh, small business type of thing, like, you know, mowing lawns and those types of things. Landscaping was really big. And uh, they wanted to go in the landscaping business. There were people that were wanting to go into retail. There were people that were wanting to go into education and they were getting into the um uh, Troops for Teachers program. There was a um, you know a small group of us that were looking at getting into corporate America, but we all went through the same type of training. And the objective from most of that training was about um, the numbers of attendant you know, people who attended, as opposed to the people who the number who get jobs. The focus wasn't on that, and it's a mandatory class, so it, it totally blew my mind that you're more focused on 100% attendance than you are about what the objective is from the training. Uh, you have to sign in every morning and every day after lunch. So somebody's counting uh, who, who's in class and who's not in class. Um, and, but I'll tell you now, they do have a survey as you, as you sign out of the Army. Right. It was six questions long. 
Um, and one of those jobs, or one of those, one of those questions was, do you have a job? So, you know, I wanted something more than that. I wanted to be able to tell them, you know, these are the kinds of things I could have used in your program. And I reached out to the, to the people in the program <clears> to try to, try to, I offered to come in and talk to them. And, and, you know, I, I've got other friends of mine who are, you know, going through Oasis and the Green Beret Foundation, some of those other, other organizations that are reaching out to veterans. And there are a lot of resources out there. I myself went through the, uh, the Syracuse University transition program, right. uh, which was business focused and very much, you know, detailed on, on, you know, translating language from the military to language in business and, and how to conduct, you know, small team training. So I, I thought that was a very good program for somebody looking to go into project management or something like that, but they never talk about that kind of thing. And, and so when they, when they weren't receptive to anything and I saw the six question exit survey as I, as I left the military, man, it just kind of boiled up in me. And, and at some of that in the articles, what, what obviously came out. And I think that that's the biggest disconnect for me, you know, you know, I've been through the, the TAP, Robert has, you, know, you have, so we all know what it is. And yet there seems to be this massive disconnect, Mike, in that they want to educate you on the things that you can do to better yourself slightly, make a budget, understand what your VA claims are going to be. But there's no kind of mental design that says these are the programs out there that help you identify your dreams and your goals, right? Like I talked to Amy Sanchez and Robert talks to her and we're both floored when she says, well, have you looked at this? Have you looked at, you know, Boots to Business? Have you looked at these programs? Have you looked at this? So at the policy level, there's these designs and intent trying to help even, you know, the lowest soldier transitioning out of the military. And yet at the very point in their careers, you know, short or long, however they may be, there's this mental disconnect that says, Hey, take care of yourself. Don't let the door hit you on your way out. But they're not educating everybody on how to best exploit and analyze those potential opportunities that are alive and well out there. Now, you're exactly right, Scott. And something else that I notice is they they don't reach out to the local community. So you know something else. Most of the people, maybe not everybody, but a lot of us that are at professional level uh, at our age retiring, well, we've got kids in school, we've got grandkids here, and we we're tied to the community. Right. So as opposed to just, you know, retiring and becoming a retiree on the rolls and drawing a pension, how about putting us in contact with people in the community who can help the transition? That's something that the, tra- the TAP program completely misses, in my opinion, is, is that link to if you want to start a business, well, we've got, you know, people that have started businesses. We'll bring them in and we'll talk about starting business. They run one elective class of one hour on that entire, you know, concept. And, and and you can't cover that stuff in an hour. I mean, it, you may just, make a connection, but it's one person that comes in. Um, and there are, you know, here in the local community between Denver, Colorado Springs, some of the smaller towns and down to Pueblo, there are a lot of people who want to help, who don't know how to help guys who are getting sure. out of the military. And nobody from the, from the you know, institution or from the program at Fort Carson is engaging them. And, and that's that's horrifically sad because, you know, like you said, I don't care what community, how liberal or, or non-military supportive that community is outside of or in proximity to a military base, there are going to be business owners and successful people, other retirees, people with money, people with ideas, people of whatever that have that passion that want to come in there. And if nothing else, a TAP program to look at them is helping the transitioning soldier or airman or sailor or whatever better expand their professional networks through exposures to that. So why don't they put out an, an email for a social, you know, come and hang out with these business owners in the Fort Carson area who want to talk to you because you may know some of them and not realize that you were in two calf together or whatever and now he's doing X and there's a perfect fit for you. So we, we don't we all understand the the importance of networking and yet we still shun it even at a, at a time when it could be more relevant than ever before. Well, how is this any different than an alumni association from a university? So if I attend a university and graduate, I'm now an alumni association. Next thing you know, I get these periodic updates that come to me in magazines and stuff. Um, I get invited to different type of events that they're going to be hosting in my local area, regardless of where I live, away from the university, because there's probably a chapter that's nearby. Um, they're going to get together every time that there's a sports event or 
or whatever. But again, to your point, those types of programs do take the alumni and what they try to do is infuse that back to people who are recently graduating to help them with employment. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, a member of local chapters and stuff of, of the universities that I went to. And all the time they have these, um, you know, meetings and social events like you're describing where these young kids that are just graduating or about to graduate say, hey, listen, I'm coming back to this area. I'm going to be looking for employment. Um, this is what I'm getting my degree in and yada, yada, yada. Why don't we have something like that? I mean, it's taking what you're doing, Mike, and, and really making it, that's part of the, the whole deal anyway, you know. It yeah, doesn't be putting it on steroids. And, you know, it's something the Green Beret Foundation is, is very good at that. They reach out. They have their, their symposiums, and they bring business leaders in. They bring Green Berets in, and they, they do two- or three-day seminars where they all kind of work side by side, and it, it makes a difference to these executives who see what a young Green Beret has to offer. You know, and they, a lot of these guys make, make connections that way. Um, but, again, I, I just don't see that at the local level here. Sure, absolutely. And well, then when I went through the transition program. Well, even, you know, someplace like especially um, Benning that's right not too long away, uh, far away from me. So you take a place like that, huge place, big uh, companies that are outside the gates. Most of the people end up separating, whether they're retiring or not, they end up staying within that local area or they end up moving north to where I am up in Atlanta. And it's still not that far away. I mean, you're an hour and a half or so away from uh, Columbus and Fort Benning, even Atlanta, two hours max or so. And so, um, you know, it's not that far that people from Atlanta, people from Montgomery, people from everything in between, if you take that radius, could be what you're describing as local. It doesn't have to be Colorado Springs. You know, it could be Pueblo, it could be Colorado Springs, it could be Denver, you right. know, it could be all of that area. Now you're reaching a bigger market of professionals who separated over a number of years that become that alumni that can come back in the door and go, all right, you know, we're just going to have a happy hour kind of discussion. I mean, you know, um, you know, we're going to have two or three hours uh and maybe you break it up to where individuals can have it based on industry sector or something. And the whole thing you're going to do is just sit there and talk. Maybe that's what all you do. What are doing right here what, on a much larger scale. Absolutely. It's a networking opportunity. You know, it's not really for you to sell yourself so much. I just want to be able to try to help you. And it may be, again, like we talked about in our networking podcast, it may not be that I can get you a job. But you and I might uh, might strike it up enough where I go here, here. Here's my business card. You know what? I want to try to help you out in the next step. Um, let me uh, put you in contact with a couple guys. I have a few in mind. I need to get back to my office, and when I do, I'm going to shoot you a couple emails and let you know that it may be something like that, or it just may be that the person gives advice. Amy's letting me know in the chat room that Boots of Business does host networking events starting in 2014, and they're trying to expand those networking events to people who transitioned prior to 2014 so that they can take advantage of these personal and professional networking events in every geographical area in which we live. And that's great that, for Boots to Business. But is, is that a big program? Is, is that a, a government program? Yes. Or is that it's part of the SBA. Okay. And they're tied in with the Transition Assistance Program. Yeah, you, so, had me, you had me thinking for a minute. There's a guy named Chad Storley. I don't know if you know Chad or not, but Chad wrote a book uh, called Combat to Corporate. Um, he's also on LinkedIn. He's a, he's a retired 10th group guy. Um, I, I just, when I heard Boots to Business, I kind of thought it was the same the same track. Yeah, no, I, I haven't heard of him. Uh, but yeah, that, that program, Boots to Business, is like a um, two-day program where they take individuals and, you know, Mike's wanting to go out and, um, create a company, you have a pretty good idea and a basic uh, uh, idea of what it is that you want to do. Um, and it may be you need to understand, you know, what a business plan is, how to secure funding, what the market uh, landscape is, you know, um, you get all these different classes to really help you um, prepare yourself and your company, including helping you go out and get it established as either an LLC, an S corporation, a corporation, um, I mean, it's really good uh, of all the different things that they cover. But I wonder, and I'll ask you the question, Mike, did you hear about Boots to Business when you went through the Transition Assistance Program? No, I've never heard of it. Well, I, I probably have, and I've always associated it with the Combat to Corporate, but um, just just what you said was probably the most I've ever heard the program described. 
kind of shows there's yeah there's a disconnect and so to me that it's great that we're looking at trying to do some of those types of things but if it's only going to be limited to those that are going to be in the boots to business program of what we just described from a networking opportunity and an alumni association then i think we're still missing the boat um i really believe that there's a, a clear opportunity here um to embrace that military community. I haven't ran into anybody, mind you, yet that's former military. When I start talking about mentors, that they go, you know what? Uh, I don't know how you do it, Robert. I would never want to mentor another uh, military person. You know, I, I'd have to get paid to do that. You uh-huh. know, I haven't ran into one person yet that has that kind of attitude. Most people are like, oh my god, what, what can I do to help? What? You know, what way can I give back? I really want to give back to some of those folks and stuff. I've been away for a while. I got some ideas of maybe, you know, what I've learned along the way that I could share. Um, I, I've met people that were military police on active duty that got out and now are nurses, you know, registered nurses. So like you went in a totally different profession yep. um, that say, hey, listen, I could talk to them about, you know, how I made the transition to a totally different job, the struggles that I had how I was perceived, how I overcame, you know, all of that's going to be really effective. It's going to be good information. Um, so, and I think that's what we're trying to do a lot with the mentors for military. Um, and uh, some of what we're trying to share within the podcast as much as we can in terms of trying to give information and um, like we are tonight about no one taking care of you or um, that, you know, don't let somebody else uh, drive your success. It, it's really about that, that you're going to probably have a network that's out there, somebody that you can tap into. And um, there are programs that are available. As you mentioned, uh, Mike, there are tons of different organizations that's out there to try to help soldiers make the transition. Um, there are networking uh, you know, opportunities that are available that you'll probably end up finding a lot of military, even LinkedIn. If you find one military person, you're probably going to see their contact list and go, oh, gosh, yeah, I know 10 of those guys, too. And, you know, start connecting with them as well. There's all kinds of different things that you can do. I think what we were just talking about is, wow, if you could really put this thing on steroids, you know, imagine what you could get out of it, especially since you have, I don't know, two or three million veterans out there. And many of which are more gray beards than you and I, Mike, and certainly have maybe even risen to higher uh, achievements that might you know be able to sit down and talk about how they came from where they were in that you know that same time frame and the struggles and challenges that they had along the way um again it's that it's that networking and that great storytelling that i think would go a long way yeah i, I think Mike, i'm probably quick. sorry go ahead Scott. sorry amy amy's bringing up the fact that you are still eligible to participate in boots to business because you missed you, you obviously missed the rollout but that is your eligibility is up to one year post separation so you, you can look back at the boost okay. business program at carson and check it out so maybe food for a uh, second article yeah when you get your guys together here in uh, pueblo <laughs> it might be a good conversation on the 26th to go hey guys you ever heard of boots to business well i'll bring it up yeah i mean it really it's a good program and especially for those that are looking to start in their own business you had something you wanted to say Mike? well you know I, i'm kind of the opposite of the the individual you talked about a few minutes ago who 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 couldn't fathom, you know, mentoring another person in the military. I think, uh, you know, that's what I've done for the last, at least last 25 of the 30 years that I was in. Um, I spent more time sitting in my office talking to my guys uh, or out on the range, you know, which is more likely for me to be out on the range talking to my guys um, than I did of any really organizational work that I would accomplish. I mean, during a duty day, it was focused on, you know, on, on the people and building relationships. So, and I think that kind of drives me into the direction I'm, I've, I've chosen to, to, to explore. But I want to tell you a story. I, uh, last summer I was in Home Depot and, um, you know, this guy was, was looking at me. And, you know, you can, you can sense when a guy's he's looking at you. And I, I'd move a little bit and he, he'd walk a little bit further and I could just see him staring at me. And I'm like, what's this guy looking at me for? Maybe I'm comfortable. <laughs> and then he came up and he, he kind of grabbed me and he said, hey, were you, a, were you an instructor at Camp McCall in uh, 2002? And, um, and I, I was. I was I an was instructor at Camp McCall from 2000 to 2003, 1999 to 2003. And, um, and he told me, he goes, yeah, I, I remember you on the first day of SUT you said something to me out on the helipad as we were doing our layout. And, um, and man, that stuck with me throughout the whole course. And I, man, I can't tell you what I said. I didn't ask him. I don't, I, I didn't ask him his name, 
Um, but you know, that kid told me his story and he had gone on to be a successful team sergeant in the seventh special forces group. Uh, and he was reassigned out here to, um, uh, sock North as one of the, the first guys assigned to the new, you know, uh, theater special operations command in Colorado Springs. And, uh, man, that hit, that hit home to me. Yeah. And, and that's something that I, you know, I, I don't know, I'm kind of a smart Alex. So, uh, I probably just told him not to quit or, you know, something, right. Something that, that you just don't quit, man. That's right. how you get through the Q course. You just don't quit. Uh, but I, I don't remember, he didn't share it with me, but that, that touched me in a way that, you know, I, I, I shared it with my wife. My wife was there. I, I've shared it with my family. Um, those types of experiences are, 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 are what I value in life. Right. And, and I've got, honestly, that was one that just kind of came out of the blue. I've got several very close friends that I've, I've, I could either say I've, I've done that for them or they've done that for me. And, and I, I just, again, going back to what you said about that individual who doesn't want to be a mentor, I can't think of how I would never be a mentor again to, to somebody in the military or to somebody that's just a, you know, an associate anybody. of mine. Right. I mean, it's something you and I talked about last week. I mean, as leaders, um, not just, I mean, we, we didn't realize that we were mentoring. It, it's just something that was part of us in terms of our leadership style. Um, it, it, we both talked about how we loved seeing somebody really grow within the military, took more pride in their accomplishments and the things That's that right. they were able to do than ourselves. Um, I took that same thing into the private sector. I know you will too, because especially you're talking about leading, mentoring kids. I mean, you're taking them from that that most basic um, element, and and before they actually have an opportunity to start developing and you know getting out there into the private sector and other people having a lot more influence on them. Not that they don't get a lot of influence in school, but you know what I mean. It's that you're going to have a lot of opportunity there to make that same type of impact. It's who you are. It's in your makeup. It's in your DNA. Um, and uh, I. I, I I definitely every even that story just got me going. I can I can uh, definitely relate to those types of things. It's it, and that's what I find is that most military are willing to do just that. Um, and when I say most, nearly everyone um, want to be able to in some way um, to be a part of something bigger than themselves, to give back, to share their stories. We all learned about after-action reports, things that we need to do to be better the next time we go and do something. And if we had the opportunity as instructors, as leaders or whatever, to share that story so that you didn't make the same mistake, that's what we wanted to do. And and, and really, we found that that's the case. And if you listen, and you listen to those individuals, then I think truly, you know, you'll, you'll understand that they have a lot of knowledge to share with you and you can take away elements of what you gain from the transition assistance program elements that you gain from over here. And, you know, these organizations or stuff that you may belong to of other veterans, uh, you, you take it all in. You really, like I said earlier, may realize you have a lot more knowledge than what you think you did. If you just open up your ears and your brain and let it kind of all soak in. I, I think most people will. So, Scott, do we have any questions or anything in the... Uh... Uh, I was trying to tackle most of Amy's points that she was making, so I just put out to the uh, to Ann and Jean, do they have anything else to add? And I'm trying to make sure that Beth, Mike's wife, walked in the chat room right when I was making fun of Mark, so <laughs> I had to make sure that uh, I was so acting I, I got to tell you, since we're on the air it, and she's listening, um, she has a great idea, um, and she's had this great idea for a long time. Uh, I've been a little bit of history. We've been married for, you know, 29 years. So Congratulations. Years this, thank you. 30 years this December. She has been through this journey with me for the for the long haul. I mean, we were high school sweethearts. I was in the 82nd Airborne Division. We got married. And from the time we got married, she has been on every PCS move. She's been there all the way. Uh, she, she's really maintained everything for us at home. Um, but she has a different perspective uh, of transition, Robert. So it may be worthwhile to, to in the future, talk about, uh, I forget how she says it, you know, he, he said, she said, or something. But what, what I was thinking about in my transition and what I was focusing on, and then what the spouse would be focusing on at the same time. So yeah, if you, if you think about it, it's, 
it's very different um, perspectives in, in, in how we're going forward together. So it's funny you mentioned that. So Beth, I know you're listening. I may invite you to come back on next month, as a matter of fact, is Women's Month uh, in March. And so along with that, uh, we're going to be um, having a lot of women uh, who served in the military, military spouses, uh, those types of things, because like you, um, it's funny you mentioned December because my anniversary is December as well. And uh, it'll be 33 years, I think it is. Uh, wow. Yeah. Or no. Sorry, more than that. Uh, so at any rate, I'm having to think. Uh, I'm having to do the math. Uh, at any rate, the uh, I know the struggle. I mean, I remember being out in the field like you, Mike. You probably can recall things where you're out there for you know 320 days out of the year. You're gone, and um, you know your spouse is taking care of the household out there. You know doing things without you. In my wife's case, it was riding a bus for several hours just to go uh, to the commissary or PX or uh, to go wash clothes and do laundry and those types. They've gone through so much. And I think uh, in March, I want to kind of honor uh, a lot of the the, the military spouses, those uh, women who've also served, because it's also difficult for women who've served in the military uh, as well. It's kind of a a smaller um, piece of the greater percentage of um, so it's, uh, it, my, you know, our way of trying to, to, to give back to them as well, to give them a form and an opportunity, um, to talk. And I think transition certainly will come up a lot in that conversation. Um, so, uh, well, not only transition, Robert, but just, you guys are kind of putting me on the spot. So I have to mention my wife real quick, right? Cause she'll <laughs> listen to the podcast and say, they're bragging about their wives. You say anything about me. So, um, no, we, we got married two weeks after we were married. I was in basic training at Fort Benning as an 18 x-ray and then going through the whole key course and everything post that. So so she's got markedly different opinions. And on that note, Mike, Beth said that your choice, your word choice in different was, was very well said when you said she has a different opinion. But um, <laughs> it's, it's amazing is these, you know, super smart, gung-ho, hua, SF guys, what stupid, stupid things we do during our careers that we just don't even think about that has these impacts on our families. And Joe Healy was saying, you know, he must have said it five times on his show that we, we excel in everything we try except marriages and relationships, right? And, and I, yeah. a real quick story, I was, you know, so a fifth group's out at Campbell, obviously, and I was at Bragg for a four-week training course, and we have a young son at the house and whatever. My team sergeant calls and says, hey, you know, Friday, I'm supposed to leave, like, literally on the Monday to come home or whatever. And he says, hey, I have an opportunity to put you in six-week sniper training, Scott. You want to go to that? And I'm like, yeah, of course. So he's like, yeah, I'll you know, tomorrow. One of, the guys on, one of the guys on my team, I'm like, but the course I'm in now is all civilian clothes. I don't have any of my stuff. And he goes, we're boxing it up and we're FedExing it out to you and you'll have it by Monday. Just get out the, you know, the range and check in. So I call home all excited. I'm like, hey, babe, great news. I'm here for another six weeks. Not so great news on the home front. So, um, so yeah, we, we really need to honor the, the oh, sacrifices absolutely. they make as well because it's, it's, it's for real and it's legitimate. So just for the record, it's 34 years, Mike. Congratulations. I, thank you. I had to think about well, that for a minute. I think that alone is a is a success story. I, I yeah. So many people, not just in soft, but in the military, um, and I, I said it earlier, we don't put time into our families because we're constantly focusing on what the nation determines as being important. So, you know, to know that there are strong women willing to put up with us and to take care of everything at home so that we can focus on what we're doing. Or men. Or men. I mean, you know, yeah, there's, you're right. You're right. Absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, it's it, it definitely this to me is uh, I'm really excited about that. And we've got some really good guests that are coming up uh, in uh, next month um, that we can uh, really focus and, and honor them in the right space, you know, since it is um, especially those who are women, you know, the women's uh, month. Um, but uh, anyway, getting back, I, I think, you know, um, Everybody has a different story as far as how they transition out. Everybody has uh, a different perspective or a different view of what they want to be once they get out. Um, We're not all going to be focused on the same thing. It's all the more reason why there shouldn't be a cookie cutter approach because you're not all going to be the same individuals um, or you're not going to be focused on the same goals. So, um, you know, again, it goes back to the 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 topic of our show and I keep bringing it up I know but it's really about you've got to take care of yourself you got to know what it is that you want to do you've got to be willing to get out of your comfort zone reach out to individuals tap into them and say hey listen this is what 
you know, um, I'm looking at doing, like you had mentioned that you did, Mike. Um, and, and in your case, you, I don't know if you sent your resume off to uh, people in the private sector that were in the education community, uh, or did you send it off just to, to networking friends? I, I sent it to all areas that I was looking at going into. Great thing. Okay. And even if you just send it off to other people within the private sector, they may have looked at it and said, well, you know, I don't know much about education, but I certainly wouldn't write this. You know, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't have included that. Um, and again, you know, we talked about quantitative and qualitative. It really goes back in a resume. That's what they're kind of looking for. They want to see those types of things. In education, I don't know if that's the same, but in the private sector, that certainly is in, in the corporate America uh, space, that is. Um, they're certainly looking for those types of things. So it's, um, again, it's about trying to make sure that you take care of yourself, read plenty of books, make sure that you're planning properly. Planning may mean that you need more runway than what you think you do. Um, and again, it's one of those things I mentioned within my book that some people have longer runways. They get to realizing that um, I want to go back and get my education. I need to do that before I separate. Oh, no, I've got so many credits based on the semester hours that are coming up. It means I'm going to have to have you know, a longer period of time. Well, you might want to re-enlist if you have that capability. So, again, it's planning early enough of that transition if you have that. Um, and a lot of that might be just knowing who you are as an individual and what you what it is that you want to be. I mean, you probably knew that you wanted to be an educator for many years, I'm assuming, just based on your profession, um, which kind of like we were talking about fits very closely with it. And um, so for that, you kind of knew what it is that you needed to do to, to kind of get to that point. Um, so... Again, it's it's making the planning, the preparation, um, looking out for yourself and making sure that uh, no one takes care of you but you in the end. Scott? Well, and Gene brings up a great point. Gene Murph in the chat room as well, right? It's, you know, we, we all have these battle buddies, and, and she lost a friend through suicide recently, So, and she's a veteran, so it's horrific, right? But, yeah. you know, we, we all we can't forget to take care of our battle buddies and that's not just offering this professional support that's personal support and and just being there for people as well so i i miss bringing that up last chat room when she brought it up so i would be a bit remiss if i let it go twice without saying it so yeah absolutely so uh that's pretty much a wrap for this uh in the strategy room, uh, appreciate you coming on, Mike, and giving of your time um, on a uh, Wednesday evening. And uh, Scott, you doing the same uh, out there in Australia? Actually, it's Thursday afternoon for you. Uh, I'm in the future, yes. Good day. So, yeah, you have to tell us how it is. Um, but uh, for Rudy, uh, for Scott, and for Mike, thanks, everybody, for coming into the chat room on Mixler and chatting with us. Be sure to do the, this again uh, this coming Sunday or Monday. I'll send out a message. I uh, didn't realize that this Sunday is um, a big day. So uh, if you don't know what that date is, go look on the calendar. It's on there. Um, so because it is uh, a big day, we're looking at maybe moving the show to Monday night, much like we did for Super Bowl Sunday. Um, and if we do that, we'll certainly send out a, uh, a tweet and messages and stuff to let folks know. Uh, if you're not already signed up for Mixler, that's M-I-X-L-R, uh, please do so at Mixler.com. And uh, feel free to uh, look at the rest of our shows or listen to the rest of our shows out there on Mentors4Military.com. That's F-O-R Military.com. And uh, thank you so much for everybody participating. For Mike, Scott, Rudy, thanks so much. You guys have a great evening.